one time I went up, I didn't camp that night, but I was literally walking up in snow up over my knees. I'm carrying 20 kilograms of gear. So like to walk up anyway, like it was absolutely exhausting. You know, every step, you know, like you're carrying like, like the, the slider kit I use, sometimes I bought a two camera setup, two sets of filters, two tripods, a 48 inch slider. Like literally you're like a, a mule walking up. That's tough, it was tough going. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. You're very welcome to episode 149 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm joined by somebody whose work I only recently discovered. And when I discovered it, it absolutely blew me away. I'm delighted to welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast, Richard Watson. How are you getting on, Richard? Not too bad. Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, thanks a million for coming on, man. Pleasure to have you on. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Like I said, I discovered your work recently, and I'm really excited to kind of get into the nuts and bolts actually of the most recent work that you've done i mean uh-huh. you've done a, we'll, we'll get into it in detail you've done an incredible job and an incredible body of work um but yeah how's things with you today it's friday evening we're recording for next friday when we go live so how are you today not too bad having a glass of red wine i was Very out good. walking the dog along the coast here i'm, I'm up in port rush on the north coast so uh yeah had a nice nice chilled out day yeah very good. So I'm a bit nervous about this, but all good. <laughs> don't be worried at all. You know, we're, we're topping and tailing the country of Ireland now at the moment. So you're exactly. at the, the very top and I'm <laughs> almost at the very bottom. So we'll hopefully capture everything in between. Plenty <laughs> <laughs> of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe, Richard, if I start, I suppose, you know, people, people know who is Richard Watson? I am a commercial photographer, mainly. Um, I'm 48 years old. I'm originally from Lisburn. I now live... Uh, in Portrush, up in the north coast. So, I moved here with my girlfriend and her daughter um, in February. So okay. I'm still getting used to being newness, having this in my. Door. I, I was so focused on the morns for a year, and it's now <laughs> dawning on me. You actually live here. You have this on your doorstep. You know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I, I'm mainly a commercial photographer. That's I'm you know professional photographer. That's what I do nine to five, and I uh, just recently got into. Um, but we were more into landscape photography because my, my girlfriend and their daughter are from Kyrgyzstan, which is the most stunning country. It's just uh-huh. so good, like 90% mountains, 80% mountains. It's, it's mind-blowing. I went for a couple of trips there, and wow! through those trips, I kind of fell in love with landscape photography. I've done a lot of travel photography, you know, Vietnam and Peru. Mm-hmm. But for the first time, I went out and, and got all the filters and thought I'm going to take this seriously because it deserves to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. The country is so good. So I guess that's what kind of got me into landscape photography initially, you know, but uh, yeah, a bit of a jack of all trades, a bit of video, drone, you know, commercial video, everything. I'll, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wash your car. <laughs> well, you know what, you do anything as long as it involves a camera as well, I suppose. Yeah, and that's yeah. probably something I think which is interesting because you say you're a you're, you're commercial photographer, but uh-huh. you've only just gotten into landscape. That blows mm-hmm. me away because what I've seen of your work it's like as if you've been into into and perfecting the art of landscape photography for a long period of time. So right from the outset, hats off in relation to that. Um, and like, how did you get started in photography day one? So when you first picked up a camera, how long ago was that? A year um, and a half ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just, yeah, straight into it. Um, no, I kind of, I, I set up my own sort of commercial photography business in t- 2009. So whenever the the property sort of crisis had, was hitting, okay. um, things were going bad. But I was sort of tur- I, I actually worked in a digital design agency back in those days with a couple of guys, and within that company we you know, we did web design, corporate video, three D modeling, and I always said to them I want photography to be okay. an element of that. I, I I always had that passion, you know, mm-hmm. for that's where I wanted to go. I was very open about it, and it didn't quite take off within the company like I hoped. And okay. then I was turning 36, it was 2009, and I just thought, if I don't give this a, a stab, I'll, I'll never forgive myself, you know, and I go, I'm 48 years old, and I'm kind of getting on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, I sort of just jumped out, it was a recession, um, 
just chanced it. And I kind of, luckily enough, I had a lot of contacts, creative directors with from my old company, okay. you know, from design agencies, you know, uh, designers and stuff. And it kind of, it took a while to snowball, you know, but slowly but surely they saw the work, they were happy with it and they give you a punt and you just got to, every day is a test. You got to keep, keep on top of your game, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of got through it that way, you know, um, through a design agency. I, I worked in a couple of design agencies before that. Okay. I was fascinated by flicking through the stock photography. Right. Books. In those days, it was catalogs. It was books, mm-hmm. not, not online. Not online, yeah. And I just flicked through them in the design studio and just fell in love with all this abstract photography and oh, macro and everything. And yeah, my cousin gave me an old Pentax film camera. And I just kind of, I remember at the time, someone said, two people said to me, one said, I, want, I used to want to be a minister at one point, which is another story for another day. Okay. And someone said to me, you actually suit, I, I could see you being a minister. And then someone said, you know what? You actually suit having a camera in your hand. And I thought, okay, screw the ministry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my life, life-changing path. <laughs> wow. And yeah. you, you've mentioned a number of different styles of take, taking photos. I mean, the abstract side of things, macro and such like that. Like, yeah. oh, have you, you do portrait photography? Would you do product photography, architectural photography? Oh, well, like the thing is, like, so... <laughs> I'm a full-time um, commercial photographer. Okay. So most of my work would come through most of the leading design agencies in the North. Right. So it can be anything, any day. And that's what I kind of nice. love about it. Yeah. Um, you, you could be shooting out on a farm. I had a recent Kraken shoot. doesn't sound really good, but it was on a pig farm. Okay. Shooting uh, studio headshots in a studio and then shooting background plates on a pig farm. And then they were sort of come together. So right. you can be anywhere from, I do a lot of work with tourism, Northern Ireland and, you know, headshots for anything from solicitors to banks to every day is different, you know, and, and that's what I like about it. You know, a design, a design agency give you a call and send you out and off you go. The only problem with that, I guess, is you kind of have to, as I said, you're a bit of a jack of all trades. You know, you mm-hmm. have food photographers who's, who perfect food. So like you could go into like a hotel and you have to shoot drinks and food and lifestyle shots so you have to you have to have your your finger in every single mm-hmm. pie mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so in, in a way it's stressful for sure yeah mm. but uh mm. no i i really enjoy it although having said that it's it's changing <laughs> it'll come out during this chat but my love for that has gone down slightly okay and landscape is is kind of taking spreading, over spreading its corner yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah and i mean you've kind of alluded to it there a moment ago i think where the love for landscape came from um, but like, you know, when you were first starting out 36 years of age, okay, I want to get involved in this. I want to try and use a camera on a, from a money-making point of view, mm-hmm. landscape photography typically isn't something that you can make money from. So it's a different viewpoint. So I imagine it's the passion for the landscape as opposed to the commercial realization that, okay, I can make money through the design agencies, but now with landscape. Mm-hmm. It's something that is within your soul, I imagine. It's with the passion that drives you. And where did that come from, from the landscape point of view? Maybe tell me a bit more about that. The landscape point of view, I think when, when I first picked up a camera, um, even before I got into commercial work, I was sort of fascinated by urban photography. Okay. Uh, and, and in a way, that's kind of landscape for me. Mm-hmm. It was, but it was kind of very decay. I, I, quite like, I quite like that morbid side, but so seascapes, but kind of very sort of minimalist. So okay. I guess that element was there from the beginning, but so it, you you were asking how, how I moved into landscape photography in, in yeah. general, yeah, yeah. Um, I probably because I shoot with tourism Northern Ireland quite a bit. I, you, as I said, you're jack of all trades, so you're expected to shoot landscapes to a certain extent. I have a drone, so you you're shooting landscapes with that. But that in a way, as a lot of people think, drones cheating in a way. It's not filter based. You just anyone can put a drone in the air and get a decent shot mm-hmm. i still like mm-hmm. to think in thirds i still like to think about leading lines even if i'm in the air whether mm-hmm. that's video or stills i guess everyone puts a drone in the air and just thinks that's good enough yeah. having the bird's eye view you yeah. still, it's, your eye has to draw through through the shot still you still have um, to curate the image yeah, yeah there has to be something that draws you somewhere um but basically uh it was that kind of i'd been on a couple of trips to vietnam and peru and I, when I'm away traveling, I shoot a lot of markets and mainly people stuff, you know, just, just the, the feel of the, the country, you know, mm-hmm. and really get into the, to the people. 
mm-hmm. and they always went down very well on social media. Um, but I remember having a few landscape images from Vietnam and like all beautiful like rice paddy fields and stuff. And I wasn't there with a tripod. I wasn't there with filters and kind of coming back and thinking, oh shit, you know, I, I should have done that much better. Like I, I wasn't getting up at sunrise and sun, I wasn't chasing good light. Mm-hmm. I was, you're just, you're traveling. So you're sort of getting what you get as mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. And then whenever when I met my girlfriends, um, as I say, she's from Kyrgyzstan, incredible, incredible, incredible country. And I went there for the first time and that was different. I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to go out here with a, a bit of a game plan. Okay. It was frustrating game plan because it, it's, yeah, it, it needed a bit more thought than I'd probably give it. But I, again, it was sort of two thirds people photography, a third landscape photography. Okay. But the images went went crazy online. Uh, so it, I was interviewed by loads of like news agencies in Kyrgyzstan. Albert Joss had just been over. He has a Kyrgyz girlfriend as well. Okay. Funnily. So between the two of us, like we kind of got Kyrgyzstan a bit on the map. But I, he got interviewed, I got interviewed and... The second time I went back, I was then sponsored by two of the agencies that interviewed me. So Very that good. made me up my game even more because I felt I have to really deliver this time. Deliver, yeah. So I guess that dragged me into landscape photography more and more. Uh, but honestly, it was it was it was lockdown. You know, I, when commercial work dried up, there was nothing in the diary, and it was just like a sanity thing. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go out and shoot mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. use the time, and 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 yeah, I I kind of threw myself into. It. As I said, I drove two-thirds of the Wild Atlantic Way in, you know, six weeks and just really kind of just blitz it. But I guess having the eye from the commercial work, you, you, you know your photography, you know how to how to, how to to create an image and, and where you want people to draw their eye through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just all about, it's all about filters and controlling light and ch- just chasing the light, really, you know. Pacing. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say it, you know, that when you get out and you're going along the Wild Atlantic Way, I mean, you you kind of it's like as if you're dipping your toe in the water to a certain extent but to see what's around mm-hmm. but then you really dipped your toe in the water and you immersed yourself from toe to head and anything else in between in the morns and you this mm-hmm. is where i would kind of i was fascinated to find out more because you released something recently which blew me away i've watched it, i don't know how many times now and each time i watch it i see something different so Maybe tell me a bit more about this. Where did the idea come from in the first place? There's a an amazing time-lapse photographer called Morten Rustad. He's based in Norway, mm-hmm. and his work is mind-bogglingly beautiful. He had a, a one of his earlier projects was was Seasons of Norway. He, he's Norwegian, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just there's there's something about time-lapse that just captivates me. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, the, the power of a still image, you know, it's just there, the power of the waves captured in, it in the still. But to see something that the eye doesn't see, like video doesn't get that, you know, real time video, the time lapse yeah. and just seeing the, the creeping shadows, and it's just otherworldly to me. It's so mm-hmm. ethereal, it, it, it's just so captivating. So I've always had a real love of, of time lapse. Um, I shoot a bit commercially when I can in, in my sort of commercial video. Okay. It's a guy called Ryan Simpson. You probably know, you know, yep. a great photographer from up yep. here. He had he he had done a couple of time lapse videos in the mornings. You know, one maybe a couple of years ago, one four years ago. Lovely stuff. Um, initially, I thought during lockdown, okay, I was out shooting landscapes. I, I was going a bit crazy, like everybody was, mm-hmm. and I just thought, you know, I I think I need a project to kind of keep me sane, mm-hmm. and that was kind of part partially the process behind it. Lockdown kind of. Wow knocked me for six so we but kind of i don't know being a bit withdrawn you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh i just thought yeah i just need something to really get my, my teeth into here so initially i thought about doing like one around ireland like a, a time lapse of northern ireland or ireland in full mm-hmm. but restrictions were for me Opening it was work. Closing, I, yeah. I was going to the mornings to work and that's debatable and blah 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 but yeah i, I thought okay i'll just stick to the mornings at, at the time i was living in belfast it wasn't too far away Okay. And I'll, I'll be able to give it more more attention mm-hmm. so yeah just as autumn was approaching i just thought right i'll go for that not knowing how how addictive how fanatical how much of a perfectionist i can be and it became this all-consuming year ahead and I, halfway through i kind of wished i hadn't have taken it on <laughs> but I, I did yeah <laughs> tell me how, how many how many trips did you make in total I, I don't know the exact number. It's it's definitely above a hundred. Um, wow. I I I'd, I'd say it's probably about closer to one hundred and fifty treks. 
Like, no, sorry, I haven't said like some of them are, are ground level, you know, so, so some nights like there's, there's one, for an example, um, the morning mist over Spelgadam, uh-huh. you know, the, the mist is where it's yes. the actual longer time lapse is even more beautiful. I'm sort of lifting six seconds here and there. Okay. Um, but that one, I, I probably spent three nights in the van waiting wow. for that nice light. Now that was ground level, so it wasn't a hike, but it's still yeah. a lot of work to get that one, you know, so. But yeah, I'd say probably at least a hundred treks and wow. probably about fifty wild camps and some of them were brutal. I mean brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in the snow and everything else. When you said you started this in uh, autumn, mm-hmm. so you're you're going away from the, the the nice weather, let's just say. You're going into the more dramatic photographic weather, but obviously not the nicest to be out wild camping in. So were you wild camping in the snow and everything as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, I'd say, I, I actually, I brought myself a red Hilleberg tent. Um, okay. And I set, I, even before the time lapse kicked in, I kind of set myself a goal. I had this, I, I was never the outdoor type overly. You know, okay. I'm, I'm not a camper. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I haven't been in the Mormons for like maybe eight years before that. If I'm okay. Honest, you know, and uh, I set myself this goal to see this red tent pitched in white snow. And I, right. was just, I, I was just so looking forward to it. It was, it was like a dream come true when I saw it. But me and Steve and Hannah went up, you know, and, and, and camped up there a few times Class. in the snow. So, so one time I went up, I didn't camp that night, but I was literally walking up in snow up over my knees. I'm carrying 20 kilograms of gear. So like to walk it anyway, like it was absolutely Horrendous. exhausting. You know, every yeah. step, you know, like you're carrying like, like the the slider kit I use sometimes we bought a two camera setup, two sets of filters, two tripods, a forty eight inch slider. Like wow. literally, you're like a, a mule walking up. That's tough. It's tough going. Wow. But uh, yeah, all, all conditions. But the, the snow, the, the snow was tough. Like I think the worst we had, Stephen and a couple of the guys were up, and it was like minus fifteen wind chill. <sighs> yeah, it was really cold. So like you're in your tent. Like once it gets dark, you just. You have one glass of wine, you bear it as long as you can. You jump in your tents for survival and yeah. just try to sleep. And you're in your bag trying to create heat. And if yeah. you put your hand outside of your sleeping bag to get a phone or whatever, it's like it's biting cold. Like wow. I've never felt pain in my fingers like it ever. It was it was tough. Jesus, yeah, so really tough. Almost instant pain, I suppose, too, when you think about yeah. it. I mean, minus 15 wind chill. Just, like you, yeah. You want to make sure you do your wee before you go to bed because they're trying to get up in the middle of the night to do that, you'll be in trouble. Oh, no, me and Stephen discussed this. We we had pee bottles. There's no oh, way dear. you're leaving your tent. There's no way you're leaving your tent. Once you get in, you're not getting night. You're, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. But it was, and, it was tough going. And then you think, you know, you think how it is for a photographer generally to get up two hours before. Mm-hmm. before so see, see, to go through that pain of being a photographer and getting up before first light. See, yeah. doing that and that in the yeah. freezing cold and the howling winds when it's dark and you can't see it, it's it, it, it takes it takes something else just to Jeez, drive yourself play. to leave your tent at all yeah fair play fair play to both yeah. of you i suppose you know i mean Stephen has been a guest in the podcast before and i mean i think he's a phenomenal photographer he's got a great mindset as well so i think nice. he probably both helped each other on i think to be able to kind of go through that I know, see, to be, see to be honest, I'll give him a I'll give him a shout out here. I probably couldn't have done it without him. To be honest, because he, he's he's shooting a panoramic, you know, series in in, mm-hmm, in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I was shooting my separate project, and we kind of we kind of spurred each other on. I think you know, mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't have gone up every time unless I had a bit of backup. I mightn't have even left my tent in the morning. Yeah, unless you knew someone else was there setting their alarm to get up as well. It yeah, kind of, it really helped to be honest. So a, a big, he's a lovely guy. Uh, yeah, big know. shout out, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And did you do all four seasons there? So you started in in autumn. Uh-huh. You did winter. Mm-hmm. Did you do spring and summer as well? I did. I can't. Yeah, I, I did. But I kind of spring and summer were a bit sort of combined together. Right. Because I I I knew commercial. COVID had sort of passed slightly and mm-hmm. commercial work was starting again. Yeah. Normality knew, was returning, yeah. Yeah, I kind of knew it would be harder to get as much time to cover those seasons. So I kind of give it about two minutes. You know, spring, autumn had two minutes run time. Winter had two. Like winter, I have so many clips that aren't used that, mm. you know, it, it was hard to pick which ones, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But spring, summer, I combined that into two and just sped it up a wee bit. So okay. yeah, like the, the bluebells coming out, um, 
uh, the Heather, you know, but it's yeah, maybe yeah. it's maybe not as full on devoted spring, devoted summer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I I saw right right through those seasons. And to be honest, summer was was the hardest of, of them all to get to get usable shots. Yeah, because of the bloody midges, midges, midges. <laughs> <are a> <laughs> yeah, flame cheat. Getting between your filters, like you imagine, like if you're shooting a still landscape photo and midges, yes. imagine trying to shoot five hundred in a row. Oh my god! rocket blower and the front of your thing is just trying to keep the wee buggers out. It was so that they ruined loads of them. Yeah. So and then the heat. I just I find some are more difficult to shoot than the others just to get something usable. Yeah, I think, and also as well. I mean, with the light, I mean, you know, you very little nighttime light. So I mean, you could be great for particular, for example, you know, astro, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but like you very very long days. I mean, with the winter period of time. Is it a kind of an advantage that the day is somewhat short because you can say, okay, it's getting dark now, right? I can get my rest because I know I've got a full on day tomorrow. But the temptation when it's bright is just to keep going. And that's where I find that I, I kind of enjoy the winter more than the summer. For me, anyway, getting up, if I want to go for a sunrise shoot, I might as well not go to bed. You know, so the winter time is better for me in that way. It was was that one aspect that actually kind of didn't enjoy the summer as much or was it purely the heat and the midges? It was probably mainly the heat and the midges. Just it was harder to get shots. But yeah, I mean, summer was good in a way because you could, you could go up and literally. It was just nice being up there in the summer. The midges mm-hmm. are unbearable, but you've got your uh, Avon skin so soft and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's beautiful being there in the summer because you can actually sit and enjoy it for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like the battle that winter did, and autumn was quite quite tough as well. But yeah, the. They're, they're really long days, especially you, you kind of tend to go up earlier, but I, I was very specific about trying to chase that sunrise, sunset light. Mm-hmm. Although having said that, looking back on that, maybe shouldn't have um, quite as much. I think I should have just gone up in the middle of the day and chased, left the slider behind and gone waterproof and, and chased storm clouds a bit more mm-hmm. in the middle mm-hmm. of the day. Because yeah, I kind, of, I kind of felt that I was always chasing this kind of beautiful colored skies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, I was obsessed with bringing the slider, the full kit. Um, and yeah, you know, just just the middle of the day, you know, if you get like rain, shower, sunny spells, you're going to get drama all day long. Yeah. All but day. my main slider kit isn't waterproof. It's like it's it's huge. So yeah, I kind of yeah. There's a few things I probably do differently, to be honest. You know, mm. but mm. yeah. Uh, and what did you enjoy most about it? The, the peace, the solitude. Brilliant. The, uh, honestly, just. Yeah, like I've never been like a huge wild camper apart from like back in school days and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's a real sense of pride in it. Like, see, when you wake up and you set up a time lapse and you sit back for whether it's 20 minutes or three hours to wait for it and just sitting there and, and feeling, it's, there's a real sense of pride behind mm-hmm. it, to be honest. And just mm-hmm. that real sense of just, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of why I picked up a camera in the first place. Okay. It was to kind of, in a way, get closer to nature and mm-hmm. connect a bit more. And then kind of commercial comes and you almost live behind a frame. Mm-hmm. Kind mm-hmm. of, even when I did my travel photography in Vietnam and Peru, you kind of walk through markets and you never feel like you're actually in the market. You're always thinking like this, mm-hmm. like through mm-hmm. a frame. Yeah. And I think for the first time in many years, I actually felt that I was, I was living what I was shooting. Wow. And, and that was the difference for me. I kind of, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And you, you know what? I mean, it's it's your heart and your passion that's driving you too. That, that you kind of enjoyment for you. It's you time. You know, it's the peace, it's the solitude, it's mm. getting in touch with nature. It's also learning your your canvas more every single time you go there. So you're getting more intimate with that canvas. So you're actually going, actually, you know what? There's something I didn't think of here. And then all of a sudden, you might get your light. And I think that's probably where it's really. Uh, fulfilling to be able to go yeah i had that idea because i was out there if i was busy doing things on the day today i would never have thought of that and bang you get the result i mean i absolutely get you yeah. i mean la- landscape photography for me is where i go to get away from everything because mm-hmm. there's typically no mobile signal you know so mm-hmm. nobody can you know interrupt me but i can actually really get in the zone and th- th- it's interesting because peace and quiet is something that not many people have there's always something. There's always hustle and bustle going on. There's always something mm. of a distraction. But when you're out there, all you're thinking about is there. Your present moment awareness is through the roof at that point in time. Yeah. Now, 
don't get me wrong, there was actually about, I think there was maybe five times I actually drove away from the Morns and given the bird as I drove away. <laughs> like It's making me sound like I'm at one with the mountains. I, there was one time I actually stood on top of a mountain and shouted, fuck you, Morns. Like literally, I, I just felt maybe there was like a four-month spell where I was getting no luck whatsoever with light. And like there was one mountain I climbed six times and never had a view out of a cloud wow. with 20 kilograms of gear. Wow. Like, uh, there was times whenever I actually Rhino uh, camera gear who did the, the slider system. They interviewed me at, like a while a while back like near near the start of it, mm-hmm. or maybe halfway through, and it was all very positive, saying you know, for me it's all about um, if you, even if you don't get a shot, like you're out, you're out in in, in the world and you're out yeah. in this beautiful landscape, and you just gotta if you get obsessed about getting getting a hit a better hit rate. You're, you're going to annoy yourself. You just have to enjoy being out. And if you get something, that, that's that's a bonus. That changed about two months later because I literally, I started diving away, giving the bird to the morns going, seriously, give me a break. You know, kind of, they, they, they almost broke me. Wow, wow. Right. Well, look, on, on that bombshell, I'm going to take a first break there, okay? And I'll right, be right okay. back. I want to talk to you a bit more in relation to about putting the whole thing together. The first part's been fascinating, so okay. I'm excited to hear the second part now. So we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So... I really want to now get into the nuts and the bolts in relation to putting all this together. We know that you've really put a lot of time in and getting up there and, you know, getting the photographs and getting the footage and everything else. But how much footage did you get overall? Have you ever measured it? Is it I, terabytes? No, I, I've been asked before and I don't have an answer, if I'm honest. Um, I, I know I know that I used about 82 clips in the final piece. Okay. There's probably about kind of 150 or so that, wow. that weren't good enough to get in okay. or, or got beaten by others. I, I kind of mm-hmm. tried, my, my aim was to give myself a problem with every season okay. where I'd heart, be heartbroken to drop ones out for other ones. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. I tried to shoot so much that each one fighting to get in was, was, was as strong as could be. So that was okay. my, my plan to overshoot it to kind of make sure that there was that disappointment in dropping good ones out. And, and there yeah, has been, yeah. you know, there's some, I was heartbreaking not to say in there, but you're, you know, you're probably talking about so many attempts where I tried and maybe just for the sake of it, you know, but, and, but didn't use it. I'd, I'd say easily like a hundred thousand photographs. Wow. Um, definitely like I'd say four terabytes of data you know I've I've got it across three four terabyte drives of other stuff on there as well Mm -hmm. but definitely I'd say you know four four terabytes would be the guts of it you know this this, the problem the problem was I was actually shooting on a Sony a7r4 for a large part of it okay Um, big files 61 megapixel files Mm -hmm. editing that was I spat them out as like full highest quality tiffs I could, so that was perfect color rendition. Everything was wow. Like my computer was freaking out. Um, <laughs> but literally, uh, yeah, I, I got to the point later on when I kind of realized, okay, no matter what cards I have, they're not writing fast enough for it to move on for the next shot. Mm-hmm. The clouds and the morns move so fast, you know. So I kind of I jumped between an A seven R four and A seven three and an A seven S three, eventually, but. But yeah, I, so that's four terabytes probably because so, so much of it was A7R. The, the main reason being I wanted, I didn't want to get that one shot in the middle of a time lapse that worked perfectly as a still mm-hmm. and not have it there at best resolution. You know, yeah, I, absolutely. So absolutely. That was, that's why I did that, but it's probably not the right camera to use for a time lapse. <laughs> yeah, well, Jesus, yeah, fair play to you though for yeah, doing yeah. that. I mean, I'm uh-huh. fair play to your computer as well to be able to I handle know, doing all that. Yeah. Yeah, and like one of the items you know that you've used, you mentioned earlier about bringing different things up mountains and such like that, and an integral part of your kit is something that really adds a huge amount to every time lapse, which is your slider. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your slider. What slider did you use? And tell me all the details in relation to how you came to the decisions to bring what you brought up mountains. Yeah, I think this is the bit that the general public, for want of a better word, 
yeah, a photographer will see the movement in it, the cinematic movement, and kind of get that it's reels and it's mm -hmm. a, a motion control system. I don't think that you, your average punter will see that and sort of realize what kind of kit you're actually carrying up there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's a it's a Rhino Arc too, so, so Rhino camera gear uh, to the second nice. version of their Arc, um, and it's it's exceptional for time lapses, especially. It, it's 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 perfect, buttery, smooth. It weighs a ton. It actually <laughs> weighs like it feels like a breeze block. So that you're bringing that up there with like sometimes a two camera setup. You're bringing two tripods. I wow. run it across forty eight inch reels, like wow. a forty eight inch slider. You've got maybe a set or two of filters. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have your tent <laughs> to stay up. <laughs> yeah, so like you're carrying. I, sometimes I have people who helps. Is a, a guy Adam. Shout, shout out to him too. The Sherpa. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sherpa. Yeah, so I actually give us. I put out a, a, a joke on Instagram saying looking for a Sherpa, and, and he got in touch and he, he knows his mountains like he's a mountain kind of guy. Kind of, anyway, he was a great guy. I think I broke him eventually. I'll tell you that in the story later on. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah. Uh, so you know, like you're climbing seven hundred meter peaks, you know, with that kind of kit. There were certain ones I just knew wouldn't be possible with that kit. Yeah. But having yeah. said that, when I brought Adam, Sherpa, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Um, I brought two cameras. So I, I, I thought, okay, I've got extra help. So I didn't actually lessen my own weight that much. Yeah. You know, you it, it more gear. Yeah, you just brought more gear. Yeah. Um, and it was nice, to be honest, because you could, there's a couple of them where I've, I've shot the same scene in two different views. And you can sort of punch in, you know, jump into the same scene tighter. Which, which yes. Nice. Um, yes. Which was an A7 for r4 you probably could have done anyway you could have, <laughs> yeah. 61 looking back on it you know but there you go yeah. <laughs> but you know you're as they said it was the movie train spotting i'm a bit of a perfectionist but i mean you yeah. kind of uh, want, exactly. you, you want to do it right like you know so yeah. to have that and i suppose the other side to it too really is that if you didn't do that you would kick yourself afterwards and go i wish i did because i just wanted to have it so it's good to have it and not use it as opposed to not have it and need to use it. Yeah. Know? Well, there's like most, most people who shoot time lapses, um, like that guy, Morton Rustad, who for me is like one of the best in the world, that Norwegian guy, mm -hmm. like he's out with the screw on ND filter variable ND just because mm -hmm. ideally you want to shoot a, a second exposure. You want your clouds to have a wee bit of drift in them. Yeah. So it's not too itty bitty you know, mm -hmm. aggressive on the eyes. If you can get that slight movement in the clouds, it just drifts. It just it feels it visually it's perfect to the eye mm -hmm. as a mm -hmm. time lapse. Now he, yeah. but he only uses like a variable ND just to get that kind of exposure. Mm -hmm. There there aren't many other people I know who bring a filter kit. Mm -hmm. You know, like a problem like a Nissi or a, I've got Nissi and Lee. Yeah. Sometimes I brought both. So I kinda there was a bit of a sense of like I like to get things in camera as much as I possibly can. Yeah, and like you're in the morning, like one of actually at one point I had a twelve to twenty four lens, like a Sony twelve to twenty four GM. The filters okay. for that are like windows, ginormous, yeah, <laughs> window panes. It's like a ship sail, you know, when the the wind's hitting you, you know. Yeah. So yeah, 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 and you're carrying a glass up a mountain as well. I broke one, and that was all, which I'm surprised at. But yeah, kind of. But I've got this obsession about getting it right in camera as much as you possibly can. Absolutely, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose, like, with the light changing as well, I mean, that's going to be difficult even more so. So, like, for somebody who doesn't do a time lapse, you'll take a photograph right now and the light might be a certain way. You turn away, you come back five minutes later, the light's going to be different. Your settings are going to be different to capture the photo and the exposure correctly. When you're doing a time lapse now, your light is so dynamic that it's changing. You have to make sure that you're able to control that light because, like, thinking for argument's sake on a sun sunrise you know you're gonna have a longer exposure and as the sun comes up your exposure is going to be shorter mm -hmm. so like how did you approach that with the changing of the light you have to you have to ramp it obviously if it's the same scene you know over half an hour and the light's changing you kind of want the light to change you know it gets dark and the, the light comes through you know that's that's a fixed scene mm -hmm. but for for yeah for, for sunrise sunset you, know, you physically have to have to ramp the exposure so you'll start to you'll start by sort of just dragging your shutter a wee, a wee bit or you know go on the other way depending yeah. on sunrise or sunset and then when you get to a certain point within your interval you know, obviously mm -hmm. you've got your interval yeah think about then you'll start sort of pushing your iso and you'll know like i was i was an a7r4 which is a cracking camera for 
time lapse and studio based work. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrible in low light, so I wouldn't push it past ISO eight hundred. Okay. So basically, but you know, so you, you can get kind of intervalometers that kind of do that for you, like the time lapse plus that kind of do all these sort of changes based on the JPEG reading it's getting from the back yes. of the camera. But I don't have one of those. So you're you're basically sitting there and just bump, bumping it by a third of a stop exposure just every now and then. Yeah. Now, obviously, that will come through as a kind of jittery file, but there's, there's a, a program called LR Timelapse, yeah. which I'm, I'm sure you maybe jumped in, into at some point. And it, it's, yeah. it's incredible what the, the guy um, has done with that, uh, Gunther. Uh, so basically, you, you, it'll, you just say it's, it's, it's a holy grail. So holy grail yeah. is, is day to night. And it just sees all the exposure bumps and just it just you know flags them all. You okay. then edit the keyframes. So you might just edit maybe two or three keyframes in the whole sequence. You know, right. in Lightroom. Yeah. Out, and it will just smooth, it'll just do all your, um, it'll, it'll sort of blend the exposures. So say, for example, you started one dark to light, it will sort of fade those right through. Okay. But bearing in mind that there's exposure bumps for your exposures in camera. It's, in, it's in, like the, the software is brilliant. It's so yeah. good. But it yeah, smooths it out instead of being yeah, so harsh. It's, it's yeah. amazing. And then you have to de-flicker and there's, there's a lot of so much work involved like some of them i spent maybe three or four days fighting to kind of get it not flick you know not, not yeah. you get a lot of flicker and time lapses to be yeah honest, yeah, depending yeah. On lenses and things so that there was a lot of work in, in getting that but yeah so basically what to answer the question you sit at the back of the camera and you just flick the exposure as it's getting lighter and darker and then Keep an eye on it. There's a couple of you know I walked away from thinking it would be okay, and there was one sunset I didn't stay and man the camera. I kind of I got too excited because the, the light was too good. I went to set up a second camera and came okay. back and I, I'd ruined the main one, you know. But mistakes here and there. <laughs> ah, but you know what? Yeah, yeah. Look, mis- mistakes mean that you learn. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, not- oh, no, I, I learned so much. I like I, I can I know my time lapses. I, I can know how to shoot time lapses very well, but. When you're shooting them in the mountains it's so different because yeah. it's not like you're sitting with a car or van beside you with all your lenses like you, you you've got a there's serious sacrifices about what you bring and what you leave behind you know what i mean so you kind of really get to know certain lenses and like i bought a 7200 for the first half of the year just right, okay. time, but it, it's a 2.8 weighs a ton yeah absolutely ton and even to be honest it's so windy it, maybe one in every three attempts i got something that, that stuck and right, then okay. finally halfway through the year i got a 24 to 105 which is perfect and i kind of wish, wish i had got that earlier in the year just to, to punch in a bit more you know so yeah you kind of learn like i probably I probably invested about maybe eight grand in kit well wow. for that project just to kind wow. of get get the right gear to shoot it right as i went along mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mad. <laughs> for, for a passion project well, yeah, do you know what? Yeah. But look, what, look what you got out of it on the other end yeah. is you got something that's really good. You know, you're as you yes. said, you when you've got so much content that's there that you wanted to have a situation that you had to remove something, even though it was brilliant in its own. So yeah. having the right gear at the right time enables you to get the right photo time lapse piece for the movie or piece for the film or piece for the project or mm-hmm. whatever it is you're doing mm-hmm. so like i would slag uh, dermot again a buddy of mine you know as he, he would say that gear makes you a better photographer and i said no it doesn't make you a better photographer but it allows you to get the shots that you want to get without certain gear you won't be able to get that so yeah i mean you know mm-hmm. it's a good investment in a passion project and absolutely i agree with you to have all that when you want to come back and putting it all together and actually yeah talk to me about but you know when you when you're putting it all together like how long did it take you when you, when you finished or were you starting to piece it together and still going back up for more? Did you wait till it was all done and then put it together or what? I kind of know like you, it's the same as when you come back with a photograph, like you out shooting today, like you can't wait to get stuck into it. Um, yeah. But sometimes you're better to sit, sit back from it before you approach it type thing. Um, but yeah, I would come back from every trip and offload the cards and, and have a, a quick look at them at least. Mm-hmm. And if I thought there was like a real killer one in there, I would I would edit it there and then. Okay. I probably then did slight re-edits on the actual Lightroom, uh, you know, post-production. Yeah. At the final stage. But yeah, I, I always had a, a working version along the line. I was trying to get a sponsor to come on board at one point. So I, I wanted a working version to okay. approach some of the bodies. Um, so yeah, like even by the end of autumn, I probably had something to, to show sort of moving, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was con- after every trip, 
you'd probably maybe spend like a, a day kind of working on those. But when it, when it came down to the final, 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 final edit, I'd say I'd probably spend like two months, like just, no, not, not like nine to five. Finessing it. Plugging away at it. And the thing, the thing is, um, like I would never have got the chance to do this project if it wasn't for what came along COVID. I wasn't working commercially as much, but the whole world was up enjoying the mornings. So mm-hmm. the footfall up there was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And, I was, I was, and the funny thing is like the mornings are quite small, to be honest, they're, they're a very small range. Okay. And you can be up in Dolan, for example, and you're sort of seeing in the, the towns around, you know, after it was quite difficult there because there's so much light around it. Mm-hmm. But, so, but I wanted to make my project, at one point I was gonna call it isolate and not more because okay. right. it was kind of a COVID thing for me. Um, so I, I didn't want like I didn't want a single person in there. I didn't want a single footstep in the snow. Mm. I didn't want a single sheep. Obviously, birds have to be worked up nonstop. So so yeah, I, I kind of the amount of work to edit people out. You know, if people yeah. walk through your scene, and it was so busy in the mornings. So I wanted it to feel like it was just you in the mornings. The view the, the viewer felt like they were there, mm-hmm. and you know it was like a window to it. Um, so you're editing people out. Frame by frame by frame, frame by over frame, a, a yeah. four hundred image sequence, and that was painstaking. Uh, pain, and then some of them, I just couldn't, I couldn't beat the flicker in some of them. The, the what was it? The morning mist one. Sorry, no, the moonrise. Uh, so the the, moon, the super moon setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like I could have had a better lens for that to punch in more. That don't have a, anything beyond two hundred. But um, yeah, it flickered like crazy, and it took me days just working on that one clip just to get it smooth to the eye. So yeah, like months, months. But again, and I became I, I, like my girlfriend came into me and just thought I'd lost my mind and just said like you're looking at things people will never like. I was just literally sheep like down in the valleys and stuff. Is you kind of you've gone mental? I was like, no, like I don't want a single thing to distract the viewer from where their eyes meant to be. That was wow. that was yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and you know when you start getting your 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 your, your footage together, um. Then you're in the editing process and something that really, really works to put the whole that together is the soundtrack that you pick, the music that you pick. Where <laughs> yeah. did you get the music from? Um, it's it, The short answer is it's two tracks from Musicbed. Okay. Um, and I kind of like blend the two together. Um, but then there's a tiny wee snippet that the, the opening kind of shimmer with the, the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. That's actually the same track that Morten Rustad had used from his Seasons of Norway. At one point, okay. I, was, I, I thought about using that. I thought, no, he's my hero. I can't use the same track. So I didn't. But I, from having the shimmer in there at one point, I love I loved the opening shimmer. But it mm-hmm. wasn't long enough. So I actually approached the guy who wrote that music and got him just to extend the shimmer by three seconds. Cost wow. me 50 quid <laughs> just to get that. To, to wow. But basically, basically the, the music again, I, I honestly spent half a year trying to find the right music mm-hmm. and then i finally th- realized it wasn't going to happen and i had to be merging two tracks you're trying to hit four seasons mm-hmm. with a lift and a build and a change of mood and mm-hmm. to get one track to do that it, it, it was just impossible so i tried to commission someone to write one that didn't really work out i didn't like i hated where it was going um so yeah i finally thought okay it's going to have to be two tracks and just one day, I just found one track that was perfect. And then I thought, okay, let's look in the same guy's portfolio and just find two that just worked so, so well together. So and I just, well together. I, I remember just going downstairs and just going, I've, I've, I've finally cracked it. I, like, like I would spend almost like, like going to bed at night, half an hour in bed, just flicking through songs and music, bed, adding them to play this. Just wait, you know, as you said yourself, you wait for that one track just to blow you away. Mm-hmm. You think when you hear it, you hear it. And for mm-hmm. half a year, I didn't. I listened almost every day for like, you know, as I was editing, you know, commercial work, I just let them run through like you're listening to Spotify. Yeah, yeah. It, it never happened. And then when I finally got the music, I just, I was like, the best thing about finally having the music was I knew when I was moving into spring, summer and the, the, the speed of the track, you kind of know what you're, like I was working in four seconds snippets per yeah. time lapse so yeah. you're, you're normally you shoot a time lapse thinking eight ten seconds maybe 15 mm-hmm. but when you have your music you know okay well visually i'm only showing four seconds of this so you got to make your movement a bit more punchy mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. it's going to be so slow people you so 
I wish I had had the music earlier because it, it it almost directs where you go. Yeah. But when yeah. I finally got it, it was like, yes, I know exactly what I need. Like I knew, I knew, I knew how many clips I needed once I had and the music. To fit the whole thing through. Yeah, yeah. And I, looking at the whole entire editing process, right? Um, how did you find it? Like, did you find it? frustrating as time obviously it was a lot warmer than you were up in, in the mornings in the middle of winter right so you know you know that cold feeling but like did you find it frustrating at times then along the route as you say you know from the flickering point of view or using lr time lapse okay it fixes this then you got the music mm. but the extent of a sense of accomplishment at the very end of it does that outweigh the frustrations that you would have putting it together no, I would. I wouldn't say there were frustrations. It was just all part of the process, you know. That kind of like finding the right music was just being fussy and it being a labor of love. The music had to be right, um, so it wasn't frustration. But yeah, like the seeing it full come together. Yeah, like it was very yeah amazingly satisfying. And to be mm. honest, it's just more satisfying seeing seeing the people's reactions to it. Yeah. Which is, you know, it, it's kind of like. There, there was certain reasons for me doing it. One was just to keep me seeing during lockdown. Mm-hmm. One was kind of just for my commercial clients to go flip if we need a time lapse, we know exactly where to go. Yeah, that was the yeah. main reason. So to associate your name with that, as you call it, craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, one's a one of them. Actually, one of the main ones was I'm 48 years old to have something to look back on in 10 years' time and go. Yeah. You know, I did that, you know, because I'm really, that. really, really proud of it because it was, it was it was the hardest year I've ever had. And then finally just to sell some, you know, license some clips here and there. As yeah. well. So there's a lot of different facets to what I was doing. Um, but yeah, no, the editing process, I, no, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it, it, it's it's painstaking at times, but you kind of enjoy it because, you you know, you're you're just trying to get it nailed down exactly how you envisioned it, you know, mm-hmm. envision envision. Oh, I can't even say that word. Sorry. Envisage it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the you way you saw it in your mind. Yeah, you add, add a lovely cork broom to that bit. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to see it pan out the way you saw it in your mind. Yeah, that's, that's it. Way. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the most important part because, you know, if you enjoy doing something, that's the most important thing. I mean, you know, many people have said to me on many episodes, you know, don't shoot for your audience or don't do things for your audience. Do it for yourself, first of all. If you like it, that's all that matters. But it's a bonus then when the public reacts to it and reaffirms your view of what your vision was and they loved it. So I think, like, it's interesting you say, you know, that you can see so many different avenues coming from that, even from the commercial point of view or even licensing clips and such like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's probably only just starting really to be honest with you Richard because like how, how long ago did you release it um on my birthday the 9th of October so just okay just over a ha- month happy birthday 9th yeah. of October there you go. there's, <laughs> my, there's my present to the world my birthday present to myself yeah I was like yeah finally I, yeah, I, I was mean, I was tempted to keep it going for another month but I was trying to st- st- stay true to a year and I kind of I just in a way I kind of I was I was chatting to Ryan about it at one point, Ryan Simpson, and mm-hmm. he was saying the same thing. Like when I got out the other end and just sort of let my brain think about something else, I was like, mm. "Oh my god, it's over!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and but yeah. honestly, the, the feedback's been in, in, insane, and it's a weird one because I'm, I'm in this. I, as I said to you about coming on here and talking about myself, I'm, I'm not a big kind of. I never. I'm not the kind of person that ever says, "Oh, look at this good shot or this nice shot or amazing." I never describe my own work ever. I don't like doing it. I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't even. I don't like photographers that say this this stunning shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Just put mm-hmm. it up there and let people make their own comments. Yeah. So coming on here talking about it is is a strange one. But having said that, the last month I've been pushing this and pimping this like crazy. Mm-hmm. But, it, but you're using other people's comments to post as your own stories. So it's kind of like you praising yourself through somebody else. Somebody else. And like, it's, it's, it's very, I'm sure everyone's sick to death hearing about it, but and I'm very uncomfortable doing it because I'm not really a self-promoter. Okay. I just like okay. to do what I do and if people see it, they see it. So mm-hmm. this is strange. I think just because of the work involved in it and just how, how much effort it took, I'm, I'm giving myself just a wee liberty just to push this a wee bit harder than normal, you know. Well, I agree. And you know what? Push it and push it and push it because what you've created mm-hmm. is something which is phenomenal and i think yeah. like Cheers. i've got two two questions for you there before we go for our final break in it mm-hmm. like 
when you've gone to different locations in different periods of times, is there locations you'd like to go back to in different conditions now after you've after you've got the whole thing completed? Um, and then also you mentioned about clips, you know, that you didn't use. So is there an opportunity there for a part two? Um, I've written down in my notes here, no chance. <laughs> 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 but that, that's not true. Um, uh, not, not a part two. I'd like to go back and there's a few, there's, there's always shots that get away. Like there's certain, there's certain scenes, like you're a photographer, you, you love chasing light. The mm-hmm. certain scenes when you're there and it almost happens perfect. You know, the sun's there, but and you know what, you know how it is. The yeah. low clouds come in and block it at the last second. Yeah. You're out there, it's looking perfect. And it just, there's so many shots that would have been mind blowing that, that just get away. So there's probably an ending that I had in mind that probably isn't there. Okay. I love I love the ending there. You know, I, I wanted to make sure it was kind of more rocky and a bit more aggressive towards the end because the opening was you know valleys and sweeps and things. Yeah, yeah. But there's certain things, like I said about the waterproof. I probably, I probably might go up again next year, probably more spring summer. I just chase storms. Yeah, you know, go yeah. Not, not even with a slider this time. Just go up and. I've got like a smaller bit of kit that does simple pans and just chase kind of crazy light and, you know, yeah, just that kind of environment, you know, so maybe not so much chasing sunrise, sunsets and like nice orangey pink skies, you know, just Mm -hmm. go for the mood. Um, Yeah. What what was the rest of the question there? Sorry. No, that was it. Would there be a part two? And you said, Oh, would there be a part two? Um, Yeah. Do you know I'm just I just want to get back up with a sales camera. You know, I just okay. want to go up. I've I've been kind of pretty like all my mates who I go hiking with here and there have been like slagging me off because it's the most unsociable thing shooting a time lapse in a twelve to twenty four lens. Yeah, <laughs> like you're literally saying here, stay off my mountain. Yeah, you can't exactly. Go here, you can't go here, <laughs> and you've got a few bobbly heads here and there, and you have to like crop them out and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, like I even went shooting in Tullymore with Stephen, uh, you know, last week there, and it, it just said it's just so nice to be able to stand side by side and shoot with somebody mm-hmm. and be sociable and not mm-hmm. kind of feel like you, like it was. It was never an issue, you know, fighting with people, but you're aware that you need so much space for this to work. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's not very forgiving in that way. I'll probably, to be honest, I'll probably move. I'm up in Port Rush now, and it's only really dawning on me now that I'm actually living here because I've been mm-hmm. fixated in the morns. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably start doing something up here when I'm ready to move back into okay. a bigger project. Or it might, okay. it might be mini projects, which I'll then piece together. I, it was horrible sitting back for a year with nothing to show. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was, you know, like, you know yourself. Imagine you stopped doing what you do yeah. for a year. Oh, I don't think I could. I mean, I'd probably yeah. go crazy or else I'd drive so, my wife crazy. One of the two. Yeah. You know? So literally kind of it just looked like it had fallen off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's just whenever I was really sort of getting into landscape and sort of getting a decent hang of it. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden you've no stills to show. And mm-hmm. the very start, I started showing the odd time lapse. And then when I realized that it was shaping up pretty sweet, I mm-hmm. thought, right, no, like, don't show anymore. And it yeah. was like 10 months of sitting on it, you know, and... Wow. It was hard, so yeah, I'll do I'll do many projects <laughs> from now on. <laughs> well, look, I've really, really loved hearing the story in relation to it. I think you've done a phenomenal piece of work. Mm-hmm. I'll share it obviously in relation to all of our social channels and such like that. Um, and I'll get some details, I suppose, when it comes to the end of this, where people can go and see it themselves and links and stuff from you as well. Also, I'm going to take our last break now and listen. Look, I have. Three staple questions I ask every single guest. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you exactly the three questions. So we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. So you're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Richard, like I said, I've got three questions to ask all my guests, and I'm really looking forward now to hearing your answers. So the first question is, what is your funny photography story? Um, okay, it's not not overly funny, but it's it, it maybe shows 
A, the kind of effort that went into it and just one of the nights we had to go through. Okay. Um, a friend of mine, Adam, who had gen- generously helped to come along and yep. paid him Sherpa, to carry yep. some gear. So Adam Sherpa, whatever, whatever he's listening. <laughs> That's what all my other friends called him. Um, okay. We went up one night and shot actually one of my favorite snow scenes um, up on top of Binion. And Binion's a really, really hard climb. Mm-hmm. And uh, that night, you know, I thought about maybe sort of shooting, you know, Astro and all this kind of stuff and getting up. Sunrise was meant to be quite nice. There was meant to be really high winds the following afternoon. Okay. Um, and that's that's that was the forecast we went by. We kind of got into our tents pretty early doors. You know, it, once it gets dark in winter, there's nothing to do but just jump in and, you know, just try to warm up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I got about an hour's kip, which is quite rare. Yeah, I was going to say that's the, a lot, the, yeah. The, the, the tents flapped like crazy up there in the winds. And when I woke up, we were getting absolutely battered, like literally, like just just crazy. Like I just saw the tent was going to take off. It was really, really, really like terrifying. And wow. I just shouted over to Adam, we're getting bloody battered. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he had had a tent that had shredded before, maybe five months before. And he, he shouted, said, I'm, I'm really worried about my tent. And I tried to get some more sleep. You can't. It's just so noisy. Yeah. And uh, about an hour later, I just heard this big, ah, fire. <laughs> and his tent had just ripped apart. You wow. Know, um, just shredded down, just caved in on him. And he just he just shouted, ah, I'm out of here. I'm bailing. I'm out of here. Now, wow. I'm not the outdoor type. Now, this, I'm proud of this year. This, this year is not traditional. May have surprised myself, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my tent, freezing cold, thinking, right, okay, what do I do? Like, I either stay here on my own and lie all night terrified that if that happened to me, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh-huh. Or I'd pack up now and go down with him. And I, right. could, I didn't want to step outside. It was horrific. Yeah, I just <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't imagine stepping outside into what I was hearing. So I just said, Adam, like, you got to just, you got to jump in here. My, my wee tent is like a kind of tiny wee, it's be- beautiful tent. Hilleberg, uh, the tent maker, is so, so good. It's like a wee kind of coffin tent, single man, man tent, and that's about okay, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just dived in, head to toe. We lay there. I, I thought he was sleeping, but we lay there all night long. Didn't sleep a wink for about <laughs> six, six, seven hours, just lying there trying to sleep, freaking out, panicking. My tent got a bit of damage. I think it was just it was it was badly pitched. I got up the next morning, but tried, the wind was even worse. Got up. Wow. Everything was blown. I lost like gloves. Everything was blown away. Loads of stuff blew down the valley. I had to run and get it you could hardly stand up adam slipped near broke a finger on the way back down and uh and in fairness it wasn't paying him a huge amount he always said like i i'd love to be up there anyway it's not yeah. a bit of money so like, you're throwing him a bit of money to carry gear um we got back had a laugh about it afterwards i then said to him i'm thinking of heading up another one of the big peaks again and he, he came back and said he, he'll, he'll disagree with this but he came back and went Oh man, I'm I'm not I'm not free. He pretty much said I'm not free ever again. <laughs> he, was, he was going to so and so, so such and such a country. He was joining the fire service. It was like literally all these. He was never free ever again in his whole life. I, I broke him. I'm pretty sure I broke him. You broke him. You yeah, broke yeah. his good. Although he probably yeah. saved me from breaking myself because he knew what he was doing. Yeah, well, but, Jesus, uh, yeah. So there's that, and then the final. There's one final wee thing I was going to say. The very, 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 very last time lapse I shot was on top of Berna which is like 730 meters odd. And I was standing on this rocky ledge shooting with one camera. I had I'd been camping for two nights and I had a second camera in a 10 bit case, just sitting at my feet, not, not being used. Mm-hmm. It was a fairly new A7S three and a pretty much brand new 24 to 105 sitting nice. there beside me. And next thing I just heard a bump and it had fallen off a ledge of about three feet onto the ground and rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled and hit a rock smack. And just jumping about a foot in the air and rolling and rolling, gathering momentum, smashing up about five rocks so hard. You could hear it from like a mile away. And it finally got to this big kind of like launch pad of a big rocky outcrop. You know, and it, below that was a huge drop. And it just finally came to a stop on this here just before I went off the edge. And I remember looking down and thinking, I didn't think that's a brand new camera or that's the lens. I just looked down and thought, shit. I have to bloody walk down and get that. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the damage. It cost 800 quid to fix. I just thought, I have to, I was exhausted. That was a, the very last shoot of a year in the morning. 
I have to fucking go and get that. <laughs> wow, Jesus, oh my God, yeah, Jesus. Like, do you know what? When you think about it, it's, it's the small, simplest things like that that can go such a, so rise so quickly. And like, it's interesting that you mentioned about well, camera gear because that's the next question I have for you. Is you know, you, I know you shoot Sony, so tell me what gear do you shoot? What shoot? What do you shoot with? You've kind of you've, you've mentioned a number of different types of the bodies that you have, the lenses that you have, but mm. what's what gear do you use? Uh, so I have an A7R4, an A7 III, which will be switched for an A7 IV in a month's time. It's, okay. It's new ones coming out. It's being sort of traded in, and an A7S3. Nice. Um, which I use for video. To be honest, I initially got it to shoot Astro time lapse, only twelve megapixels, but mm -hmm. noise is like so clean. Yeah. So I can I might be the only person in the world who bought an A7S3 for time lapse. That's why <laughs> yeah. I got it. But I also yeah. shoot video, so. So that's my main bodies. Lenses wise, um, most of it would have been shot on a 16 to 35. At one point, I got a 12 to 24, thinking I needed wider to get mm -hmm. strong, you know, more foreground, more clouds. Because yeah. so, you're everything 16 by 9. Yeah. But yeah. I kind of realized that was a mistake because it makes the, the mountains seem really far away. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, if you go to 12 and stuff. So I didn't mm -hmm. use that a huge amount, if I'm honest. Um, and then 7200, when I could actually managed to carry it up a, a mountain that's so heavy and then 2. finally 8. got a 24 to 105 to replace that so that was of other lenses but that's the main ones you used for this very good and then a slider you know the motion control system is the rhino arc 2 by rhino camera gear um, with, the 40, with a high torque motor so you can literally do like a a perfectly vertical incline you know it's just it's it's insane four axis gimbal smooth as butter it's such an, an amazing amazing bit of kit and then Lee filters, Nissi filters, and land warmers for for the, the really cold winter months. And that's, that's, that's about it, yeah. yeah. A, a, a nice array of gear and a gear that you've mm -hmm. put to good use and has been, you know, stood to you well in relation to what you've created and your passion project more. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, actually, I probably invested about 600 quid in just the clothing just to get through winter as well. Yeah. Yeah, clothing is really important as yeah. well. Like you know, I mean, yeah. like, to, to, and, and you, as you know, I mean, it's not just about having one type of clothing; it's many different types of clothing. It's about the layers, mm. and I mean, yeah, yeah. like you go on a hike, you're sweaty by the time you get to the top. Like you have to make sure you've got clothing there, so you might take something off even there to make sure you dry out before you put something else on, because that'll freeze. Do you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then um. Another uh, section that I have is a VSP. It's a very solid product. It's a product that you will not leave home without. You'd put your name to it if you could. So I ask you, what's yours, Richard Watson? Okay. Um, yeah, well, I cannot say the Rhino Arc 2 because it's such it's such an amazing bit of kit um, when it comes to time-lapse. Yeah, I'd leave the, the house without it. You know, if it was you know, just shooting normally, it's a, a time-lapse specific thing. But for video production as well, um, you know, for your kind of things or what you're doing, it's the the, the video movements on it, um, the, the time lapse movements, it, it, it's insane. Mm. I probably will leave home without it for the next six months because I'm sick of carrying it. It's, it's, it's heavy, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it's it's the best bit of kit I have, you know, in the whole arsenal. You know, by way yeah. of the, the you know, everyone has gimbals and that kind of thing, but you just to dial in the perfect focus pull, and it's it's like a, a focus puller um slider you know everything into one it's it's brilliant well you know what a brilliant product and it has served you very very well i mean look i've loved hearing the story of your passion project i think it's been fascinating um you know i know that there was a lot of work put into it because from a photographer point of view but even somebody who would look at that it's think it's going to be quite interesting from to see the amount of work that you actually put in to create something so phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for giving me the background story in relation to it. Um, what's next for you now? So, I mean, like, you're, are, are you thinking, are you hankering for going off now and doing uh, another project? Have you trips away? Are you going to go to explore different areas? Are you going to go back up the morns, as you mentioned, for old time's sake and leave the slider at home? What's next? Um, I got a camper van right before lockdown came. And okay. that combined with lockdown, I'm trying, maybe one of the reasons why I took on the time that's project, I'm trying to tease in more commercial work that's more tourism okay. and landscape based. So that was one of the reasons of doing this here, just as another string to the bow in a way. Super. Uh, um, so, but in a way, the commercial work 
there's a slightly less passion for that now. It's my bread and mm-hmm. butter and it's what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring on just the jobs that really excite me and really interest mm-hmm. me to bring in more landscape. Um, I haven't thought about time lapse just yet. I'm, it's just so nice to be, to be out shooting stills again. And it's so nice to be able to shoot portrait and not thinking 16 by 9. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally, I'm just loving, stills seems so easy now. Honestly, it seems, it seems you can get a skill. <laughs> Photographers are, they've got it made. It's easy. Yeah. Photography's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the guys listening to this and girls, photography's a piece of piss. <laughs> you know, it, it feels like it, you know, it feels like a breeze. Like I'm on the coast and I was out for a walk today with the dog and just jumped in the water with waders and just a wee, we throw away shot but just i'm just like practicing again and, and just Absolutely. shooting that and yeah, yeah. i think long term yeah i'm gonna try to kick down a few doors and see if i can get over to kyrgyzstan to do brilliant a decent study over there and then long term probably next year I'll, i might jump in the camper van and do like an overland trip to like the dolomites or norway although i'm kind of almost sick of seeing photography from there mm-hmm. so i might pick mm-hmm. somewhere a bit different and less obvious but a huge mm. you know van trip probably nice. more photography based but i'll shoot time lapse as well but when i'm there you know nice so nice that's and, the plans and where can people find more info on you if they want to follow along on this past journey and obviously you know the future journey so where can they find more info on you okay so uh, my main website is richardwatsonphoto.com so okay. that we have like commercial photography and landscapes on there and, and examples of film work uh facebook and Instagram is at Richard Watson Photo or Facebook.com okay. Richard Watson Photo. Um, YouTube, I don't have, I actually haven't made a proper handle yet, but if you just look up more in 4K or Richard Watson, you'll find the YouTube where that's where it's in 4K. Okay. So if, any, if anyone is watching it on the big screen, it's 4K. It's, it's like it a whole properly. different, yeah. So if you go there and watch it, that's where it's going to like jump out a bit better. And I just jumped on Twitter the other day for the first time in 10 years. And that's at RPW Photo. So that's everywhere. Yeah, Super. Yeah, listen, look, you know, I'll put all the links anyway in the show notes as well below so people can find all that for you. It's like I said, it's been a fascinating conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to have to, unfortunately, we're at the end. I have to wrap it up now. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, the time has gone so quickly. Um, Richard, thanks a million for coming on. And uh, hopefully, you know, if you're ever in the camper van, you want to come down south, give me a shout and we'll head off over to the, the Wild Atlantic. Um, I'd love, I'd love to, man. Great. Definitely. I'll, def- I'll take you up on that for sure. I'd love to. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. So, yeah. Listen, thanks so much for having me on, man. We're thanks a million, man. Yeah. Shlanga full. Cheers. Hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts? Give us a five star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.